0: Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 1, it said, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, And it came to pass in the month of Chislu, in the twentieth year, as I was in Sushan, the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah and I, asking them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. Just for background, Nehemiah, is living in Persia, which is the ca- in the capital city of that land, Sushan. And he's in the palace. Someone say the palace. the palace. He assists the king. He is the king's cupbearer, we learn later. He's the king's wine tester, in other words. And he, uh, he has a good life where he's at. He has a good life. He is in the palace. I mean, who would like to work in a palace? Anyone in this room? Um, and while he is there... While everything is going well, he's visited by some of his brothers from from hundreds of miles away. And this is what they said unto him in verse 3. The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. In other words, it's devastation in Jerusalem. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And if you skip to the second chapter in verse five, what happens in the meantime is Nehemiah, he hears this information. He goes into prolonged prayer and fasting. And then he goes before the king and says unto him, if it please the king, if thy servant have found favor in thy sight that thou wouldest send me unto Judah into the city of my fathers uh, sep, you uh, rest I'm sorry that I may build it. In other words Nehemiah went to build that which had been destroyed. Yes. Nehemiah heard the news he prayed he fasted and he went before the king He went and he worked, him and a lot of other people, they restored the wall of Jerusalem. But before any of that happened, Nehemiah got a burden from God. And today I want to speak on this subject, give me a burden. Does anyone want a burden in this house? Does anyone want a stronger burden in this house for those around us? I believe that that's God's will for our lives. Bible scholars, they will tell you that the book of Nehemiah is about a man who came back to Jerusalem and who built walls there. That is true, but there's something even greater that's happening underneath the surface. And it's surface, it's this, that Nehemiah is building for the future. He is building a future for that city, the city of God. He wants to rebuild that which has been destroyed. He wants to rebuild that which has been broken down. Due to Israel's disobedience, God allowed his people to be taken into captivity in Babylon years, hundreds of years before. The city of Jerusalem, it's been destroyed by fire. The walls are reduced to rubble. There is brick laying all around. Brick after brick, laying on the ground, signs of a once thriving city. And Nehemiah wants to rebuild it so that, number one, God's people will have a home. And number two, that that city can be a light as it was intended to be a light. It can be a witness for God's name to every city around it. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church a church that I can go, that is home, a church where I can belong. I want to be a part of a church that loves God and that loves others around him. But I also want to be a church that is the lighthouse to its community, a church that is a beacon of hope. For God called us to be salt and to be light, to be that city that sits on a hill whose light cannot be extinguished by anything and that's what Nehemiah has a sense that's the application that we can take from his life and from his story that what we are doing here us here at gathering on this Sunday morning and us going into our world this week we are a part of, of a construction project you can say we are building the church of the living God we are given direction by the King of kings and Lord of lords. We are given a, a, a purpose in our life. We are given uh, gifts and talents and abilities. We are given the tools that we need to go out and to build the kingdom of God. Nehemiah was a Jew whose ancestors had formerly been citizens of Jerusalem His father, Hekaliah, most likely was given the opportunity to return to Jerusalem years prior, but chose to abide in Sushan. And this decision by his father, it gave Nehemiah this opportunity to to be positioned in a place of high authority, to have this position in the king's palace as the cupbearer. Something to consider about Nehemiah is that he is not a paid religious professional. He is not a a preacher. He is not someone who holds ministerial credentials, whatever that would be for their time. He is not someone who uh, preaches from a pulpit on a weekly basis. He is a man living in a secular world, a man with a secular job, a man that has great influence with those that are around him. He has a great place to live. He has a great career. He is the king's cupbearer. He gets great perks. He gets to live in the palace. He gets to have the ear of the king. He has the perks of wealth. He has the perks that a family history would give you without the family blood. He is in the palace Of the king. He is given privilege where he is at. He has great influence. Really, the only downside of his job is that everyone was trying to kill the king in those days. And so he would have to taste the wine before the king would taste the wine. And if he fell over dead, the king knew not to drink of that wine. And so that was really the only downside of his job. It, it had great perks, but he may die. Uh, you have to make that decision if you think that's a great job or not. But it worked out for Nehemiah. He is alive in our story, which is a good thing. It's a lot more interesting than if he was not alive. So we read his journal. We read his account, and we read of a man who had a lot going for him. He had a lot going for him, but one day a report came to him, a report from his homeland, from generations before him, that that city that his ancestors once called home has been devastated. It's lying in ruins. The gates are destroyed. The walls are broken down. The city is burning. And that news that he receives that day completely changes the trajectory of his life. It says in verse 3 that we read the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The walls are are broken down. The gates thereof are burned with fire. The city is devastated. And us in our world today, it's nothing new for us to see images online or on TV of cities that are lying in ruins, cities that have been devastated by war and by famine, and cities that are burned with fire, cities and buildings that are on fire, and there's no fire department there to put them out. They are just wastelands and they are becoming wastelands and they're in the process of becoming a desolate place. We see those images. We, we see places wrecked by storm and wrecked by natural disasters and by wars and, and all of these things that are unfortunately very prevalent in our culture and in our world. We see it all the time. And think of the city that's in your mind, that is the most devastated. That's what Jerusalem was like. It was a wasteland. Its walls were broken. Its gates were burning. The city was burning. And the question I ask us today is, what do you do when you hear of devastation in your city? Now today, I'm not just talking about physical buildings being broken down and physical gates being destroyed. I'm talking about spiritual devastation in our city. What do you do when you hear of families that have fallen apart? What do you do when you hear of addiction hitting someone else that you love so strongly that it has crippled their existence? What do you do when you see someone else walk away from God? What do you do when you see another person in captivity to sin, when you see someone successful in this world but you know they don't have a relationship with God, what do you do when you see once thriving Christians now a wasteland, a shell of who they once were? What do you do when you hear of spiritual devastation And your homeland. This news that Nehemiah received is news that had been around for a long time. The city had been destroyed, the people had been scattered, the people had been demoralized. For Nehemiah, this is news that's coming to him, and it's news that he partially already knew you got to understand, the news that devastated this man is 140 years old. Come on. yes. It would be like looking back 140 years ago, going to 1884, and reading the news headlines, and we begin to weep, and we begin to cry. We get, begin to be moved by something that took place in the past. For Nehemiah, isn't it a little too much? Isn't it too much to be weeping and crying over something that took place 140 years ago? Nehemiah, we've moved past this. Nehemiah, this is all we've known. Why are you now being moved this is normal to us. This is part of our history. We're now generations removed, Nehemiah. This is part of who we are. This is part of our story, that our homeland, is a, it's rubble. That's the way it is. In 140 years removed from this devastation, people had normalized devastation in their homeland. They had begun to become comfortable with walls that were destroyed and gates that were burning and a city that had been decimated by war. It was decimated by, by those that had came in and raided that city and taken those captives and destroyed that which had previously been built up. And the information that Nehemiah is receiving on this day is not new information. But hear this. While the information was not new, the information was still relevant. The city was still destroyed. The gates were still knocked down. The city was still burning. And when he heard this news, something got a hold of Nehemiah. Something inside of him began to shift. Something inside of him began to burn once again. He could no longer go back to the palace and live life just the way he had always lived it. He could not just exist in a land that was not his home any longer. He could not go back to his cushy life, his successful life, and sit in the presence of a king while his people were at home, right. devastated with the houses that were broken down and a city that was destroyed. He could not take it anymore, the dichotomy of the fact that my life is great, but my city is burning. Right. We can get used we can become used to the cries of our city. When we had our first child, I'll never forget someone coming and saying, you know, sometimes your child's going to cry. And you're just going to have to accept the sound of the cry. And you're going to have to learn to silence that cry in your own life. Sometimes you're just going to have to allow him to cry. And while that may be true in parenting, I hope I never become used to the cry of my city. I hope I never become desensitized to the devastation on our streets, to the devastation in the family structure of our community. That I never become so desensitized from people suffering in my backyard that I never become used to the cry. And I can go on with life while there is crying happening all around me. I don't ever want to sit up here and be in this, in this palace, in this home, in this place of God, this place of refuge. While right outside these doors, there's someone, there's people living with their homes burning spiritually. Their lives have been destroyed. Their homes have been shattered And we sit and in this house we proclaim a good God and we proclaim a faithful God. And if we are not intentional, we can proclaim it to ears only that know it. I want to proclaim the goodness to people that have never heard it. I want to proclaim a faithful God to people who need a faithful God. I want to share a loving God to people who need a loving God. Something happened in Nehemiah that day. He didn't get new information. He had known. He had been taught this as a young man. He had been shown that there was a city miles away. The city of his ancestors, the city of his grandparents, the city of those that came before him that was once standing and is now burnt To the ground. And Nehemiah, that day, he did not get any new information. And this is what I want us to hear today. Nehemiah did not get new information that day. What Nehemiah got that day was he got a new burden. God had done something inside of him that day. And he lit a fire once again in that man's life. Uh, He lit a fire inside of him that said, I cannot stand back any longer. I cannot sit In the same place that I've always sat. I cannot do the same things that I have always done. Nehemiah got a burden from the Lord. And that burden from the Lord propelled him into his future. That burden propelled him into his purpose. And I wonder if on this Sunday morning there would be someone who would allow themselves to hear from the Lord again. Maybe you've been hurt in the past. Maybe you've tried to help someone in the past. You've put yourself out there, and you've been burned time after time. Maybe you've put yourself out there and nothing. You never saw the results of what happened. You've put yourself out there, and, and then you've just went back to life as normal. I wonder if someone would be willing to put their heart back out there again and have a burden for someone, that they would have a burden for someone I never want to become so burned that I'm not willing to once again lend my heart to someone else around. I never want to become so calloused. Yes, when I put my heart out in front of me, I am going to get hurt. Yes, I am going to be disappointed. Yes, I am going to be cut from time to time. But the reward the reward from God is greater than being burned a thousand times. If I put my heart out for one, and that one walks through that pearly gates, it was worth it all. If I put my love out there in front of my life, and one person is changed for the cause of Jesus Christ, it was worth it all. Yes That young man got a burden that propelled him forward? Did he have opposition? Absolutely. And if you've been here on Wednesday nights in our adult Bible study, you've heard of the opposition that Nehemiah encountered. He received opposition. He received and knew those around him that doubted what he was doing. And isn't it true that sometimes when we have a burden for someone, when we have a burden... To start something, when we have a burden to step outside of our comfort zone, there's always going to be people around us that question us, that doubt us, that say, "We've done that before. It doesn't work. Um, We've tried reaching out to that person before. It doesn't work. We've prayed. We've prayed that prayer before. Uh, uh, That's happened. We've done that." There's others out there that you could pray for. There's a, a burden will not just propel you forward, but it will sustain you when opposition comes around you. When you have a burden for someone, when there is something burning inside of you, opposition's going to come. But don't forget who gave you the burden. Don't forget who gave you that purpose. Don't forget who created you for that season and for that time. And in 52 days, they accomplished what no one had been able to do in 140 years. In 52 days, 42 different working parties restored a 50-foot high wall with a circumference of four miles at a rate of 504 feet per day. And all the while, they were fighting opposition. You know how they did it? It started with a burden. It started with a burden. It started with something that got inside of a young man that said, I can't go on the same way that I've gone on before. I cannot just exist any longer. I, am, I have not... I have not arrived yet. I am not just a human being. I'm a human becoming. And God, you are creating in me that which you are wanting to establish through me. So God, I give you my heart. I give you my future. And so Nehemiah got to praying. He prayed. He prayed. And he fasted. He went into prolonged fasting and prayer for four months. He went before the king of kings, the lord of lords, first. Then he stepped into the palace, to the king of that land. And then he got his hands to the work. And we, we need to pray, folks. On Thursday, it's been said we have 24-hour praying and fasting. I need us all to join in on this endeavor. There's 24 hours listed there. We need every, tw- every hour marked off. We need to pray because prayer works. Prayer works. Prayer works. And they say Something to be remembered, it's got to be repeated. I'm going to say it again, Prayer works. One more time. Prayer works. Every revival begins with prayer. And when you want to build and establish God's kingdom, you first got to go before the throne of God and pray. And when you pray, watch as something happens. When God gives you a burden, fall on your knees and pray for that burden that God has given you. Pray for that person that God has set in your path. Pray that God's will is done and that doors begin to open. We have to have a spirit of intercession. We got to have a spirit of intercession now more than ever before. We are bombarded by every distraction that we ever, really probably that has ever been accessible to people. That just tells me that more and more God is looking for people who are willing to be intercessors for his kingdom. And then he, He prayed, but he went beyond that, didn't he? He went beyond that. He went before that king. He made an intentional effort to accomplish that which God had set for him to do. And while we pray and while we believe, there comes a time for each one of us that we got to put a foot in front of the other and do what God has called us to do. It's not just good enough to pray. It's not just good enough to fast and believe that if God's gonna do it, it's just gonna happen. No, God is calling us to be intentional with how we live our life, to be intentional of how we speak, to speak words of life, intentional with how we conduct ourselves in public and in private, that we get to work doing the work of God. We gotta pray, we gotta fast, and we gotta act. And when we act, God does amazing things. And this is what I want to leave us with today. The fact that we know the facts. And that we know the stats. And we know the figures and the obstacles of what is happening in our world. We are familiar with the city that is burning down. We are familiar with the lives that are hanging in the balance that Satan has had his his grip on day after day, season after season, year after year. And we can become normalized by the destruction that is all around us. We can become used to the fact that 50% of marriages end in divorce. We become used to the fact that, that by the droves that our hyphen age students are leaving the church, that people in their 20s are giving themselves to all sorts of causes and leaving the church of God. We can become used to the fact that, that the odds sometimes are stacked against the church. We can become used to it and accept the fact that there is a city that is burning. We can become desensitized and normalize that which the enemy is doing in our own backyard. But I'm here to, to, to break up that normalization of the darkness that is, has great influence in our world today. And I'm here to call it out. Because this city is not the devils. It is God's city. The people in this community are not the devils. They are God's. That there is a city that is worth saving. We exist not to sit back, but we exist to reach others, to depopulize hell and to populize heaven. We exist to be the change in the world. God is looking for someone who this Sunday will re- have a burden reignited in their heart once again. God is looking for someone who has seen the stats and they know the information. But ton, this Sunday, on this day in February of 2024, they are not willing to leave this house without a new burden in their heart. They're not willing to leave this house without a new burden in their life. They're not willing to leave this house without saying that I exist for something greater than myself. I don't need new information today. All I need is a new burden today. I don't need any new information. I know it all. I've seen a lot. God, give me a burden that will propel me forward. Would you stand with me today? Nehemiah said, King, here's my cup. King, give me a hammer because I'm not satisfied in my comfort zone. I am going to take a step out into the unknown. I'm going to build what God has called me to build. And I wonder today... I wonder today if anyone would be willing to take a step forward in this altar call and say, God, I give you my whole heart today. I'm willing to have my heart live outside my chest today. And I'm willing to have my heart filled with a love towards people, a love towards others that will propel me forward. I wonder if anyone would be willing to take a step of faith today and come to this altar. Why don't we all come today and pray that God would give us a new burden God give me a new burden for someone Lord speak to my heart today speak to my mind today speak to my spirit today Lord begin to work inside of me change me Lord from the inside out God I need a burden Lay someone in my heart today. Lay someone in my heart today, Lord, that I've not thought about for a long time. Lay somebody in my heart today that I've not spoken to in a while. Lord, lay someone in my heart today that I see all the time. Someone that I work with. Someone I go to school with. Someone in my family. Someone in my circle, Lord. Someone who does not know you. God, help me to help others. Help me to be the change in my world. Help me, God, to go out into this world and to make a difference. Give me a new burden. Give me a new burden, God. Give me a new burden, God. Oh, Jesus.